Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and if you want to start or grow a thriving coaching business, this is the place to be. Join me every Monday for inspiration and action when I interview top coaches and expert entrepreneurs who share strategies and secrets for building a successful business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, we're joined by Bethany Nonami. Bethany is an avid reader and audible and podcast listener, moviegoer, foodie, and loves super fast and loud cars. She helps people grow and scale their businesses by giving you access to your data and understanding the why behind your customers, leads, and sales. Bethany's insight changes the way you sell. When you understand why your customers buy, or equally important, don't buy, the game changes. And now you're armed with the secret sauce to help you elevate your brand and your earnings without working double time. Bethany, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Before we jump into more about your business, if you would tell us just a little bit about you, maybe what is your favorite fast and loud car? (laughs) and some of the things you like to do when you're not working? (laughs) Such an unfair question. So (laughs) I started to, um, I got into business early, early, early when I straight out of high school and ended up in technology, which I happen to love. So I've always been the nerdy person. I took computer programming in elementary school when it was not cool at all. (laughs) I think it's becoming a little cooler to understand technology, especially for our parents, but it was never a social norm that was accepted. But I love fast cars. I think my favorite, it's not the fastest, is the El Camino. We have Mm -hmm. an old El Camino, which is a mix of a car and a truck. So it's Mm -hmm. not really either well, but I have two little ones and a lot of the cars that I would love to drive all the time. I just can't with them. Maybe that's by design. (laughs) I can't take them with me. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, those are mostly two-seaters, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Most of the ones I like the best are (laughs) (laughs) two-seaters. Well, you know, everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. So I want to start the conversation on your business journey. So how long have you been helping people grow their businesses? And what Mm -hmm. really led you to get into that in the first place? So I've been working, I've always had this natural inclination to do two things, to learn and to teach. And it's something that became coaching and turned into a profession after the fact. But I, when I started my journey in technology, it was out of necessity. So I was adopted by my mom in the 40s. I am She was in her 40s, not in the 1940s. And in the 70s, it wasn't really acceptable to be a child of a mixed race or a mixed race couple. Mm-hmm. And I was an interracial child. So I was given up for adoption. My mom adopted me um, because at the time it wasn't really acceptable to marry outside of your race. There were some people that would do it, but to have a mixed race child that was equally bad as Uh, having a disability, whether it's a physical disability or a mental disability. So I was kind of put in that bucket with the kids that would never find a home. Hmm. And my mom adopted me when she was in my 40s. So she was much older 
than all of my friends' parents. She got sick when I was in high school. So by the time I graduated high school, she was on disability and I got thrown into being a caregiver, Hmm. which in retrospect was an honor. And I was grateful that I was able to do it. And I had to go straight to work. And I ended up in technology in help desk of all things, which is a thankless position. You help tons of people get to everything they need to get to. And they're still mad at you at the end of the call, no matter how much you help them. And I just, because I didn't have a college diploma or a degree or anything that was related outside of high school or above any education above high school, I learned very quickly that I needed to master everything. I needed to know as much as I could about this software, as much as I could about that software. And I did it because... One, I was a woman, and technology is very unusual, especially 20 years ago. And two, I was a minority. Mm -hmm. So those two things combined, I automatically was the underdog of no matter what I did, which is fine because that's kind of how I was, my whole life was. So it's not something that I was thrown into, it was something I was used to. But I learned everything out of this drive to master and know things and never be questioned for my skill, never be questioned that I had enough knowledge, never to be questioned that I couldn't hold my own with predominantly white men that I stood next to every single day or supported or worked with. And that led me to this lifelong journey of learning new technologies and new ways to do business and something that started 15 years ago of building websites turned into great. Now we have a website. So do 9,000 other people about coaching, about how to help people get through life challenges, how to help them find the perfect job. 15 years ago, I wasn't competing with 10,000 other people. Five years ago, I was. Today, you compete with a million people. They're right. doing the same exact thing. And the, the challenging part is you can't just show up with a website now. Now we have to actually have a good website. Now we have to have good content. So luckily, I've always been used to change and I've always had to learn and I love learning. But it, it, the same exact principle applies to business today, no matter what business you're in, because the way that people buy has changed. The attention span that we have is shorter. What we demand of our brands and our our, the people that we work with and vendors is a higher bar than it's ever been. So I've really been blessed and fortunate that this was my journey and this was my path because I love it. And I never want to stop learning. I never want to stop growing. And I think coaching and mentoring and, and learning is such a deep part of what's important to me, mm-hmm. that I, I kind of was so fortunate to fall into that situation where I had to provide and I had to work and I had to be a caregiver for my mom. And I had to make enough money that you can't live on disability. You can't afford to live on social security. It's, it's not enough to get by. So landing in technology was, was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> so tell us a little bit about the type of person that you generally work with. Do you, do you work more with corporations or entrepreneurs? It's such a mix. So I typically work with people that are have a proven track record of success, whatever that is on their level. If it is an entrepreneur, uh, a coach that works with someone, their level of success might be a successful group program, a private one-on-one practice. And for them, if they have 20 different clients, that might be their level of success. But then I also have companies that I work with that are global brands that have $100 million in revenue annually, and their level of success is different. But what they both struggle with is how to reach the right people, how to grow their business, and how to scale to the point that they lose their passion and their spark of what they're doing because they're working so much. They're just, they're tired. Right. So with coaches, most people will generally start out with a fairly simple website and then a social media presence. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are maybe the key things that someone needs to be able to compete online? Is that the bare bones basics that we can start with? Yeah. So social media is great. I, I'm always leery of putting too many eggs in one basket. So if you're starting a coaching practice and you're on Facebook and you love Facebook, so you're like, hey, I'll just have a coaching Facebook business page. That's fine, but that's not enough. So a couple things you need to understand is we see the average person sees four to 10,000 ads per day. Wow. Four to 10,000 ads per day, which is what we would see in a month 20 years ago. So our attention span has shrunk to three to five seconds. And a goldfish's attention span is eight seconds. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And ours is three to five. So, and what you have to keep in mind is if someone is looking to you to help them get through something and they need a coach, they need a mentor, if they find you and they get to your website, you have three to five seconds until they decide if they're going to hire you, they're going to read, they're going to learn about you, they're going to check out your prices, or they're just going to decide to leave. So a lot of times it's so easy for us to get real wordy and say, oh, this is my, these are my credentials and these are all the awesome things I've done. And those are valid and those are important, but that's not the first thing they need to see. Mm. So the first thing they need to see anywhere, if it is on your social media presence, if it is on your website, is what do you do, who do you serve, and what's in it for them? And you have to say this succinctly in no more than two sentences, not wordy run-on sentences, like five to six words a sentence. What do you do, who do you serve, and what's in it for them? Hmm. If you can say that, that's your first impression. Even if, and here's the scary thing, if someone refers you word of mouth, a lot of coaches, all their business is referral. That's great. But now 88% of the people that are getting a word of mouth referral are looking online before they call you. Right. So even word of mouth referrals don't hold the same weight they used to because the way we buy has changed. Mm -hmm. Our behavior has changed. 
And you have to keep up with that. Yeah, I agree with that because it's interesting because sometimes you can't really put your finger on what it is that's sort of a turnoff. But Mm -hmm. I know if I go to some websites, they're clean. Mm -hmm. There's few words. I can see what the offer is or what my options are really quickly and easily. And Mm -hmm. those I'm drawn to. And then there's some that maybe look a little bit more old school. Yeah. And they have just these huge blocks of text. (laughs) And maybe it's laid out really nicely with lots of pretty pictures and different blocks. Mm -hmm. But within those blocks, there's a lot of things for me to read. And I hope that I have a longer attention span than a goldfish, but I don't know for sure. (laughs) Because if I see something like that, that has all these words, I might read the first sentence, but if you don't tell me something in that first sentence that's going Mm -hmm. to kind of keep me interested, no, I'm going to leave. And you're, you're normal. Nobody, if you do continue to scroll down, you're going to skim. Yes. So if you have to be wordy, if you absolutely cannot cut it down and you have to be wordy, then at least add some headlines or make the things you want people to read stand out and pop off the page. So you can do that with a bright, bold color. You can do that by taking that sentence out and just putting it in a line by itself. So then if they skim and you have a thousand words on the page, Assume they read six sentences. Can you get what you need them to get if they read sentence one? And maybe it's just a bunch of headlines. So remember back in the day when we'd have to create our outline for a school paper or we had to figure out like what are the most important facts or bullet points? What do we need to make sure that we put in there? And then like all the rest is fluff. What are your bullet points that people have to get, have to read? that they have to know about you to make the decision to do whatever you want them to do. That's a whole other thing. Like to get them to act, to motivate them and compel them to take action is another thing that you have to do. It's, it's, I mean, it's just, there's so many things that we can struggle so hard to get the best website that says exactly what we needed to say. And it's clear to us because we wrote it. And we read it and we're like, oh, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. And then other people read it and they're like, what do you do? I know that I have been on sites like that because you (laughs) can tell that they take a lot of care in creating it. But when I'm done, I would love to just reach through and smack the person and say, okay, start over because I have no idea what you do. Yeah, it's tough. Well, and I think it goes back to that idea where people also have a lot of trouble narrowing down to like one ideal client or creating that avatar because in their mind, they're like, I can help everybody, Mm. you know, and on the website, it's like, I need to explain everything so that Mm -hmm. they don't have any questions and they know all about me. And they, I tell them every little tiny detail about what we can do with each other and what, you know, what's going to happen and what... And you're just like, no, you gotta, you got to strip all that away because the more you say, the more confused someone is going to be. I, I know. It's, you know, here's a good thing that people can do. You can take, and, and the same rule applies to your social media, same rule applies to your business cards, same rule applies to your website. So go to Starbucks, go to a coffee shop, somewhere that there's a lot of people. 
and you can pull your website up on your laptop or your phone and it's called the five second stranger test. You walk up to someone and say, hey, can I ask for your help real quick? And they're probably thinking you're going to ask them for money or something strange or they don't know who you are. Okay, I just need five seconds. I spend a lot of time building my website, creating this business card, uh, doing my Facebook page. And would you just, I just want you to look at it for five seconds. Is that okay? Most people would like to help. Mm-hmm. They can spare five seconds. So you literally start a timer on your phone or count down to five, whatever is easier for you. And you show them the website. You take it away in five seconds. Then you ask them, what do I do? Who do I serve? And what's in it for you? Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty powerful because, I mean, you might get a few people who, if you just said, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to want to make you feel good. They're going to want to be helpful and say something nice. But if you flat out say, what do I do? Who do I help? And what's in it for you? If they don't know, they're not going to have an answer. Right. So, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to do this with people that know, trust and love you mm-hmm. because they want you to do well. And even if they don't like it, they may not tell you that green button is awful. Right. You have to change that color. Some will, but not all of them. So if you go to a stranger, they have nothing to lose. You're, you're asking them to be honest. So you're, what you do and who you serve is your headline and your subhead or your, your, your headline, your first sentence and your subhead is like the smaller, little bit smaller text right below there because sometimes you can't fit it all in one sentence. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but your button, the call to action is what's in it for me. So it's not sign up for another newsletter. No one needs another newsletter, but if you can give them something that's insightful, something that they can use over and over again, something that they would share, then that's good. That makes you stand out. So let's talk a little bit about once we have our website and we, we have our messaging clear. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole lot of talk about SEO and ranking, and I know that for a lot of coaches, it just sort of muddles their brain, and they don't want to think about it, and they just ignore it, and it's just not something that they want to fool with. What is the best way for coaches that maybe aren't that much into the technical side of things, they're willing mm-hmm. to do some stuff, but they don't want to become experts, mm-hmm. what's the best SEO to do? do on your website that would be fairly easy and and make a difference okay so that's a great question there's a couple things i want people to understand is if you're starting brand new you don't have a website you want to make sure that your site is mobile responsive all that means is that if you can view it on a desktop or a computer you can also view the same thing on a cell phone because If you're not, then it doesn't matter what you do for SEO. Google expects you to be able to be read and viewed properly on a cell phone. So if somebody built a website five years ago, people still use computers and desktops more than they use their cell phone. Now it's, it's almost more cell phone usage for searching than it is for computers. So Google is saying... If you don't understand that people are coming to your site from a mobile phone, if you're doing a ton on social media, 
assume 90% of them are on their mobile phone. You have to be able to be read. And if you don't know, pull up your website on your cell phone and you will see what everyone else sees from their cell phone. If you are not mobile responsive and cannot be read on a mobile site, then SEO doesn't matter. Anything you do doesn't matter. So you have to be at least keep up with that. Um, But from an SEO standpoint, here's what I want you to consider. What are people trying to solve? What are they trying to fix? What are they trying to improve? Don't go out there and say, I'm going to do SEO for life coaches because no one is Googling life coaches. And if they are, that's not true. People are Googling life coaches, but there are so many websites that have been around for 15 years. Mm. You may never be found for that term. Right. Instead, you can say, how do I handle relationship challenges when I'm the breadwinner? How do I be more honest and open with my partner? How do I find a more fulfilling career? Think of the questions that people are having when they're searching for you. You can help them with these problems. What are they looking for? What are they searching? The specific terms, because if you understand the psychology of where they are, then you can meet them where they are online. Mm -hmm. So a good example, if you don't know and you're starting out and you have a couple people that hired you, the first thing I do for anyone that hires me, I constantly get feedback because we make assumptions. We think that our ideal, because we have five clients that are women, we're like, I only work with women. Mm-hmm. I don't like men. They're, they're not coachable. I'm hypothetically speaking. <laughs> I only work with women. And then, but you, you make this assumption that you only work with women. And maybe you think that women hired you because you're a life coach and they want to get their life together. But then you talk to them and they said, no, I hired you because Sarah said you helped her get in her skinny jeans. So if I take you to a party and they say, hey, who's your friend? You're like, oh, this is Bethany. She's a life coach. Instantly, the conversation goes, nobody cares (laughs) about having a life coach. But if somebody says, oh, this is Bethany. She helped me get in my skinny jeans. As a woman, most likely, I'm more attracted to someone that can help me get in my skinny jeans. The result of what you're going to give me is my relationships will be better. I'm going to rest. I'm actually going to drink water. I'm not going to be as stressed out at work. So I'm not going to eat a pint of ice cream when I get home. All of these things in my life get better, but I'm not ready for the transformation. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to get in my skinny jeans. I can take that. I want that. Is that what I need? No. You coaches give them what they need. Give people what they need, Mm -hmm. but they are not, may not be looking for what they need. They may be looking for what they think they want. Right. So if you go in saying life coaches, I'm a life coach. Awesome. And people can't find you, then you feel defeated and you're like, SEO does not work. It's (laughs) awful. I don't know why people do it because it doesn't work. There are a lot of people that have spent a ton of time doing what they thought they should do and they didn't know the rules of the game. So they were never going to win, but they spent hours upon hours trying to do these things. I'm a life coach. Okay. Let me do a page. Why do you need to hire a life coach? 
why life coach, who is a life coach? And they do all of this great content and no one finds it. And you're like, this doesn't even make sense. I'm never going to rank on SEO. So look at it in terms of what problems people think you solve and what they hired you to do. Did you, did somebody hire you to help them get in their skinny jeans? Oh, okay. Well, then maybe I should talk about why diets don't work and the emotional aspect of gaining weight or what happens, why your skinny jeans don't fit. Mm-hmm. There's all of these other things you can do. And if you don't know what people are searching for, you can go to a Google. And I, I refer to Google a lot because that's 90% of search traffic. Right. So if you do it right for Google, everybody else falls in line. So you can go to a Google browser, just go to google.com and type best life coaches, if that's what you do, or maybe you do health coaches, body coaching, um, career coaching for, and leave everything blank after that. Mm -hmm. And what Google will do, it'll fill in the top five searches for that term. Best health coach for, and it'll say for moms, for working millennials, it'll automatically fill in the top five terms people are searching for. Right. So you can get an idea of what people are even looking for. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, ask your clients and ask them why they hired you. What happened that you thought you needed help? When were you ready to pull out your credit card and hire a coach? Because you're like, I'm done. What happened? And that can be your SEO. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's not that hard to go in and search for some of the terms like you were saying and let that autofill give you some suggestions. Yes. So that's a really good way to get ideas for blog content. Mm-hmm. And, and then also asking your current clients or just even, I mean, a lot of people will have testimonials or just feedback that they get from their clients over time. And then just kind of going back and looking through some of that or just looking through your notes on what you helped people with, what was the focus of these different sessions. And -hmm. you can start to pick up maybe some trends, maybe some things that you see repeated. And then those are also things that you might be able to search a little bit more and see what pops up in the search results. Right. Now, another thing real quick that helps that's for any SEO, if you have a Facebook business page, not your personal page, then get people to leave reviews. They can leave a review on a single session. You don't have to have someone that's coming for six months. If you have a really good session with someone, then you say, hey, I really appreciate it. If you only have Facebook, have them do a Facebook review. If you have a website and Facebook, ask them to do a review in both places. Because those reviews and the stars, just like when you go to Amazon, I kind of don't buy anything unless it's four stars and above now. Right. So that's becoming social proof. That's replacing word of mouth. For many, many years, we relied on word of mouth. Reviews are becoming the new word of mouth. And there's no cost to do that. So as far as coaches blogging, a lot of coaches, it seems like I almost feel like the trend is going a little bit away from Mm -hmm. blogging as just this constant content creation in the sense that maybe as a health coach, they might come up with 10 blog posts to start out with. 
but that sort of hits the the top layer of the things that they want to speak about or the things that they can help people with. Right. And then their focus sort of goes in other directions, like, oh, I need to be working on my mm-hmm. social media. I need to be over here on Instagram. And then right. they sort of just leave those 10 blog posts there. <laughs> Is blogging consistently something that makes that much of a difference or is it okay to just put 10 pillar articles on your website and and let that be that? Right. So there are so many opinions out on the internet and, and you can believe whomever you follow and think it's gold for your business. And one that is very common that is almost a a myth at this point is content is king. Mm-hmm. You have to blog consistently and you have to, and you don't because content and information is everywhere. Right. You, you don't have to be smart to have this to, to even succeed in business almost anymore. You, you don't know, have to know certain financial terms. You don't have to know presidents and leaders and all these different things because you can just press a button and find out the answer to almost anything on your phone, on Google, on Amazon, Echo, all of these different things. So now information is everywhere. Content is everywhere. If you can provide insight and save people time and give them everything in one place, especially if they don't know, if, if they're looking for something and they don't know the real problem, and this happens a lot in coaching, they, they think this is their problem, but there's really this bigger underlying problem mm-hmm. that, that is not even on their radar. If you can give them insight, how many times have you gone to Google something and two hours later, you're like, what did they start looking for? Exactly. Because they get distracted and because you're, you're, you read something to try and answer a question and then that leads you to another article and that leads you to another article and they recommend a book and now you're on Amazon and you're like, oh, let me look up Waffwire. And it, three hours has passed and you're like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. So what if... Someone asks a question, they find you, and at the, they get the answer that they want right away. No backstory, no fluff. Here's the question I had. Boom, here's the answer. And then it leads them down the path or what's called the customer journey to learn the next piece that they need or overcome an objection that you know they have in their mind right now. You can overcome that on your site. So you start to give them insight and guide them down the path to live a fulfilled life, to have the ideal career, to have a a thriving relationship, just because they found you answering a question. So if you can give them insight and save them time or money or heartache or pain or whatever it is that you know they're going through. Mm -hmm then that's valuable content. Maybe it's not one blog post or or 10 blog posts. Maybe it's one and it's just a really in-depth, complex, long blog post that basically is like 10 blogs in one. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff that you find, you bookmark it and you're like, oh, this is good. And you share it. Right. Anybody that you can think of that you're like, oh, she's having a hard time. I know she's struggling. Let me send her this. That's insight. So now that we've kind of gone through, you know, the the basic steps here of getting 
our messaging and getting a little content, doing a little bit of SEO. So what would be the next step for people? Maybe people that are ready to think about using paid ads. You know, is Mm -hmm. that a good idea to bring traffic to your website? So paid ads are great once you know your page is doing well. Mm. So you can track Google Analytics is free. If you don't know how to set it up, it's Google's guides aren't the really the best. They're they're not not technical, but just not very explanatory. Where it's like, oh, click here and go here and do this, and right. and you're missing some steps. But <laughs> but if you set up Google Analytics, the average what you want to look for is are they taking the action you want them to take. So everyone should be collecting email addresses on their website. If you don't have a way to incentivize them, to give them a great lead, to give them a great offer, figure out something and give them access to it. It could be a webinar. It could be an interview. It can be a a one-page checklist, anything. You need not a newsletter, but give them a reason to give you their email. If you are asking them to give you your email, on that page and it's a hundred people get to the site. If at least three people are giving you an email, then you have a 3% conversion rate. That Mm -hmm. means a hundred people get there. Three people are like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I'll give you my email. Do not run any ads until you at least have 3%. Okay. You can, but the, the challenge is if you're paying to get people to the page, and the page isn't doing the best, then you're paying to get more people there that might not understand what you do, that might not understand what's in it for them. So maybe you do 10 five-second stranger tests and everybody nails what you do, who you serve, and what's in it for them. Then run an ad. But if everybody has a different answer, don't run an ad because it's not clear. It's, it's the pages you talked about that you're like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's actually really, really good advice because I know a lot of people just get caught up in this idea of if I pay for traffic, that traffic is going to convert. But that's not necessarily true. Just because you're paying for those eyes to get on your page, if your page is crap, they're still not going to do anything. Right. So get all of that stuff sorted out. And I really love that idea of being able to go in and quickly check the Google Analytics, mm-hmm. determine what the conversion rate is, and if you're at 3% or more, then you can make that leap to stepping into the paid ads. If you're not there yet, go back and look at where, maybe where people are, are landing and how long they stay there, and I know that's kind of getting into a lot more mm-hmm. technical stuff, but if you can figure out where they are and when they leave, you mm-hmm. might at least be able to, to know, oh, well, if they're only on my homepage for 0.5 second, then mm-hmm. there's something wrong there. Right. And, and honestly, you need to understand what conversions are even for your ad because your ad may be well-written, do the five second stranger test on the ad too, because you could pay $5 to run. That's a minimum you can run with the Facebook ad. Facebook to me is, is the cheapest way to advertise because of the amount of targeting. You can choose. I want women between 18 and 25 that 
are interested in parenting or families or whatever it is. And I can choose that target. And for your website, it's kind of just like radio. Like I can advertise on a radio station, but some are going to be men, some are going to be women, some are going to be parents, some are going to be single. So it's such a mixed demographic that you're, you don't know what you're getting. You're getting a mixed bag. But you can do the five-second test on your ad. And if you're getting 500 impressions, it was in 500 people's news feed, and nobody's clicking, stop it. Mm. Something's wrong. The image is off. The word is off. Um, and you have to play. You have to see some people might connect to negative or, or the pain or the struggle. And some people connect to the place after the struggle or how, how you're going to help them get through. Facebook does not like negative. So sometimes ads will be rejected. They don't like diseases. They don't like promising to help people lose weight. They, there's a lot of things they don't like, but it is the cheapest way to test your message or to test your page um, and, and quickly get feedback in front of a, a pretty vast market. Right. So as we begin to move towards the end of the interview, I want to ask you another question on just some ideas for coaches that have kind of got things set up. They've got some clients. They're looking to start to grow their business. Mm -hmm. What would be like maybe your best ideas, your best growth hacks for people that are wanting to grow their business? So beyond being really clear on who you're serving, what's important to them, what motivates them, what their emotional triggers are, what's going to motivate them to sign up, what's going to motivate them to hire you. You you have to understand that for your website, for your ads, for everything that's online. But what I think any business owner should consider is not everyone that comes to you is going to be ready to buy. At at any time, 3% are buying anything. 3% are looking for a car. 3% are looking for a washer dryer. 3% are looking for a painter. 3% are looking for a coach. You have 97% of other people that you have to nurture. You have to get them to the point that they're ready to buy. Some people don't think they're ever going to need you. Some people know they need you. They're just not ready to buy. Mm -hmm. So if you can put together a way to nurture them, a way to get them to the point that they are ready. If you're a kind of an expensive coach and maybe you're $100 a session and you're trying to help single moms, then is there a way that you can sell like a $7 ebook where it would still be valuable? It would still be enough to make a difference in their lives, to help them pass whatever they're struggling with, but it will also start to get them ready to reinvest in you. It'll get them ready to have the right mindset to start to work with you or do the heavy work or do the hard work. So are there ways that you can actually have them come in at a $7 product, at a digital product, at a, at a book, at something that's, that's valuable, and then kind of nurture them to the point that they can get into a group session? Maybe that's $97 a month. Maybe that's a $100 investment or get them into a one-on-one session with you. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that you can have a nurturing sequence or a customer journey or a funnel that will nurture them from point A to point B to point C without you doing one-on-one calls, without doing a free consultation, without doing a free assessment, 
Mm-hmm. Are there ways that you can automate some of those things? And are there any lower price points that for the people that aren't ready, the 97% that aren't quite ready, that they can at least just get a little taste of what you do? And you have to add some type of transformation in that product, and it has to be early. If it's an ebook, it has to be within the first couple pages. If it's an audio, it has to be almost immediate. It's got to be something that can shake their belief system or shake them in their core. Even if you just break a belief that they have or break conditioning that they have, it has to almost be immediate in that cheap product, in that less expensive entry point. Yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion because a lot of people will come at the coaching with the idea of, I really just need a couple of things. I need a higher priced individual session, and then I need a little bit lower priced group session, and everybody else can go jump at a lake. And I know that's not what they're really (laughs) saying, but in a sense, if you only have two options, you kind of are throwing that 97% out. Yeah. So, you know, just to keep in mind that there may be some other things that would be easy and quick to put together, a way to maybe repurpose some of your content and create a little low-priced ebook. Something like that would definitely be something good that people can keep in mind if they just want to put one more piece of the puzzle in place and have that opportunity for some of that other 97%. Right. Absolutely. Nice. So I want to ask you a question about your business experience. So Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now about building up a successful business, what would you say is the first step that any business owner should take if they're really serious about growing their business? Or is there anything that you wish you had done first if you had the opportunity to do it over? So I think personally, I love to learn. And I, because of my experiences in the professional world, I feel like I have to master something before I do it, or before I have the confidence to go do it. So I think one of the things that has stopped me in the past was just doing it Mm -hmm. and moving beyond the fear And knowing that that fear is always going to be there, knowing that I'm going to have to push outside of my comfort zone, I would always take the risk and go outside of my comfort zone once I had the confidence that I knew what the heck I was doing. Right. (laughs) I wouldn't do it before then, but you can't do that when you start your own business. Like there's no luxury of, oh, I need a couple more weeks to learn. Right. You don't get that. So I I think if, if there's anything that's stopping you, if it's your site, if it's your SEO, what's the best next step that you can take? I can get a domain. Okay, check. I am one step closer to having a website. I can get a business Facebook page instead of promoting myself on my personal Facebook page, which is frowned upon on Facebook. Okay, Mm -hmm. check. I can tell the world about my practice, that I'm going to step out and I'm going to be a coach. Okay, check. So I think moving through these things that may be blocking you personally, it's so easy for us to give other people advice and it's so hard for us to do it. Right, right. (laughs) We get in our own way. Well, I think that that's true for a lot of people who really 
have trouble loosening the reins. You know, they really want to keep control of the situation. And one of the ways to keep control is to say, I want to be the expert before I step out. And you kind of have to get over that at some point if you want to grow, if you want to move forward. Yeah. I mean, how much have you learned? I, I did. I went to college after the fact and realized that most of the things they were teaching, I, I was too far gone in real life to be able to learn <laughs> what I needed to learn. Right. But I mean, how much have you learned in school versus in life? Yes, exactly. Like you need to go step out and learn in life, in doing and experience opposed to reading. We can read all day long. There is so much to do and so much to read. That's not, that's not going to push us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's a whole lot of things that just don't translate as far as, you can read about something, but then when you actually get out and dig into it and start creating that website or start going out and talking to potential clients, mm-hmm. you're going to get all sorts of speed bumps and curveballs and things thrown in your path that you're going to have to kind of on the fly work around. And then that's the sort of experience that you just can't get by reading about something. No, you can't. Well, Bethany, this has been so good, and we have really broken down a lot of stuff and put a lot of really good advice out there for everybody, so I would love it if we could finish up with the final five rapid-fire questions. Okay. So what's one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Mastery. What's one quality that you feel every successful entrepreneur needs to spend some time developing? Active listening. Recommend one book for us that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. Chet Holmes, The Ultimate Sales Blueprint. Now, give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Fresh books. Okay. Now, finally... How can the listeners best connect with you? If they want to find out more, if they want to connect with you on social, where do you hang out the most? What's your website? My website is Marley, like Bob Marley, uh, M-A-R-L-E-Y, Nonami, N-O-N-A-M-I.com. So it's MarleyNonami.com. And on there, there's a, we did an SEO masterclass that is not technical. That kind of breaks down all the myths, what you need to do on your website, and and just understanding how you need to compete online. And that is up there with a workbook and an action sheet. So it's there if your coaches can use it. It'll help break down some of the stuff that they're probably terrified of for (laughs) SEO. Right. No, that sounds really good (laughs) because SEO is one of those things that can be scary uh, when you're not sure of exactly what to do with it. So I will be sure to get all of those links and all of the recommendations onto the show notes page. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Bethany. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to join me next Monday for another inspiring interview. But wait, before you go, I've got a question for you. Are you ready to take action on all the great strategies today's guests shared, but you're not quite sure where to start? I've got you covered with my new action episodes, where I break down how you can implement all their best tips and tricks. 
Get immediate access to this exclusive free content when you become part of the Unstoppable Coach community. Simply go to unstoppablecoach.co to join or text COACH to 345-345.